Hello, and welcome to Flix in a Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me forever and always, the man, the myth, the British bulldog, Alessandro Bielsi. Say hello, Al. Hello. On this week's episode, Indy makes his return, Hawkeye plays tag, shocking news about Justice League, and a quick nod to some documentaries, all before we dive into our flick of the week, Darkest Hour. But first, Al, what are we drinking? Now, when you say shocking news about Justice League, do you mean shocking or not at all shocking? Yes. <laughs> All right. Um, so we're drinking another new Jack's Abbey beer because we've been enjoying them. And there'll be more in the future, uh, at least one more. This week we're drinking Jack's Abbey House Lager beer, spelled with an I. It's a <laughs> Which cool one do you want to drink today? The beer. <laughs> That's, that was really what I wanted to text back to you. <laughs> but It's all right. It's a golden lager. It has... 18 whole IBUs, 5.2% alcohol by volume, unfiltered and unpasteurized, although for being an unfiltered and unpasteurized, yeah. it's pretty clear, right? which is uh, it's a plus in my book. It's got a nice uh, chewy head to it. That's a, that's a term I don't want around my beer. <laughs> what, what does that mean? Oh, just look at it. It's got a nice uh, frothy head. So I like to look into beers like this after I pour it uh, and wait for the foam to die down because I like, kind of read it like you would read tea leaves. Right now I've got a little Kylo Ren mask thing going on in my nice. beer. I don't. I just have foam. Now it's a uh, boot. Now it's a heart. Now it's just bubbles. Now I feel like we're doing Harry Potter, you know, the bubbles. one where they, <laughs> yeah. they do the divination class and they yep. look at the tea leaves. Exactly. And everything is death. I am on a Harry Potter cake right now. Oh, the, the Kylo Ren mask is back. How did that happen? <laughs> you know, I had the distinct pleasure of watching the distinctly worst, unquestionably worst, Harry Potter the other day. So. Is that the fourth one? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. And by watch it, I mean watch, I don't know, the first 45 minutes of it or so. <laughs> it was Sunday morning, and like I just had nothing to do, and I was too lazy to get over off the couch, and I couldn't reach the remote, and I don't know. You just got sucked in. All right, let's Nothing about it was positive. I was negative going into it as soon as I saw that's what was coming on. <laughs> this is the day you were just settling for it? This is how this is how today's going to go? No, because I knew that there was an end point to my lounging and I was going to have to get up and go do stuff anyway. So I was like, why fight it? It's just happening now. Mm. All right. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> just a straight up thud. <laughs> yeah, let's try that again. I don't have anything to clink. I Wait, bubble. hang on. Hold up. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. Ooh. These guys are really, uh, they're doing a good job over there. Yeah, I appreciate this beer. This, this is, is, this is truly a golden lager. Yeah. It's tasty. It's not, it's not offensive in any way. <laughs> That's, well, which is a good sign of a lager. Right. So. <laughs> So I've learned from you. No, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> if there's one thing I've learned from you, it's that my lager should not be offensive. Right. <laughs> and damn it, Jack, you've accomplished. <laughs> so what are your what's your take here? I see you. I see, I see you wafting over there. I am wafting. Well, no, because I was I was um, concerned that my palate was affected by um, the yogurt that I was like scarfing down right before we got on air here. Because I threw like a bunch of peanut butter powder in it too, so yeah, yeah. that can that can do it. Yeah, oh, this it's is good. This it's um smooth and tasty. As, as I expected from this golden lager, it's kind of got that that weedy, not I guess sweetness is is kind of the best way to describe yeah, it. Yeah, that's that's fair. I, I, I can get that. I can get behind that, that kind of almost residual sweetness that you only get from from wheat being part of the grain bill. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't feel like it's like overdoing it in the way that like a true like wheat beer like a, like a, an actual like a belgian wheat would, would have right. so yeah which would normally turn me off altogether probably really because uh, i think i might do one of those soon because i enjoy those. i'm happy happy to happy to drink it I, i'm you know that with this with all types of beers there's an exception there's there's ones that i like and then there's ones that i just i just don't um, but also, but I've been busting across like genres, like the beers that, that you said that you don't like so much. I've made a couple of those. This is true, and you've enjoyed them. So yeah, did we actually do your red IPA for an episode, or we just drank that? 
No, we have that at your house for the Oscars. Right. So we should drink that for something. Okay. Well, you still have one or two? Or did you oh, yeah. One? I totally left those at my parents' house. going to pick them up this weekend. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wasn't sure yet because you texted me about it. I was like, oh, that's right. I left like two of them and I figured maybe I brought them there. I brought them there. I also brought the the uh, the Wake Up Dead. We drank three of the Wake Up Deads. We shared those and then we never got to the rest and people started drinking wine and we moved on. So I meant to bring them home but completely forgot. So I'll have to pick those up later on. Did I tell you that uh, in the expansion of the BLC beverage line, uh, did I tell you that we uh, tried the first of of the wine that me and my dad made? Oh, nice. No, you didn't tell me, but um, there were pictures. Yes, it came out very well. Nice. That's good. Can well, we do an episode with that? Can we have that at Easter? Ooh, interesting. Change up. Ready Player well, not, One? Not, not just the wine, obviously. What, <laughs> Ready Player One? Savages? We're going to have both. <laughs> oh, beer and wine. Oh, yes. so we could do... Oh, you know, that'd be perfect. We'll do a BLC beverage specially sponsored episode. I like it. We'll do the Red IPA. We'll do the Malbec. It'll be great. It's going to be perfect. And this time I'm not going to get sick at your house on Easter. Two years well, ago. Faster, right? That was two no, years ago? it was two years ago. And that pretty sure it was like the sickest I've ever been. Aside from the time I was had pneumonia and almost died. This was the sickest I've ever been. And it was rough. And I'm pretty sure it jump-started my weight loss. Not just that, but it seemed to be like a very rapid descent because you seemed yeah. fine. I was fine. Right? I was fine. It was. I was sitting at the table, and it just like a wave. It came over me, and I was like, "Oh, something's not, something's not right." And then I left and did not come back for quite some time. And then I came back, and then I left a few more times. Well, not just that, but I, like you, you know, you could see it happening too because, yeah. like, first, like. You started doing that thing where, like, every bite or sip looked like a chore. Yep. And, like, you're doing that thing where it's, like, you know, you got, like, a lip thing going on. Yep, yep. And there's, like, a... Yep. Like, every, like, every ten... And then, like, every bite was, like, ten minutes apart. And then, and then you got white as a quiet. You weren't, you weren't talking anymore. Mm-hmm. And then you were just not present. Yeah. <laughs> where did he go? <laughs> for, like, four hours. It's, like... Now, did he die in the bathroom? <laughs> yeah, that was that was. Uh, don't want to relive that. Whew. That that was a stomach virus that lasted like I think it was like three or four days. Really? It was it was intense. Sounds unpleasant. Yeah, it was not. It was not good. Not a good time. But we're past that. And this Easter, we'll be doing some some fun stuff. <laughs> and Ready Player One. I'm so excited. So excited. I know you are. Uh, did you have more notes on this beer? We have at least one more um, in the vault. Um, what do you mean? We ha- There's one more in my fridge. Oh, yes. Yeah, so that's why I wanted to do this so we can do a couple other beers before we get back yeah. around to that one. Makes sense. Makes sense. I like it. Sweet. So we'll be, uh, we'll be hit- Maybe we'll get these suckers as a sponsor at some point. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't forget, we still have to do... Some Newberg beers. I've been holding them in reserve. Mm. More on that in the future. Faithful, yeah. faithful fans. Is that for the Cloud Atlas episode? Uh, that will be for the Cloud Atlas Excellent. episode. Excellent. Excellent. You should get on top of that. So I really, I do. I do need to get on top of that. Two more times. Two more times. And then I'll be ready to go. Well, I mean, let's think about it. Like, you know, we're going to do. We're going to do the Avengers together in April. So. Absolutely. When I come down for that, we could do Cloud Atlas recording, too. Speaking of the Avengers, let's dive into one of our first stories. Uh, Jeremy Renner, nowhere to be found on the uh, on the new poster. We're just fine. No, but Peter Dinklage's name was. No, really? Yep. Didn't, didn't look that far into it. But, uh, well, it's the whole story, like, everyone forgot that he was in it, including myself. And I, um, I forgot sorry to hijack your notes section here, but... Uh, there was like a story like, oh, yeah, you remember how Peter Dinklage was rumored to be in it? Well, his name is on the cast list on the poster, Interesting. even though he physically isn't. What's what's his deal going to be? I don't know. I don't think they've ever announced what his role is. I like that. It's kind of cool. Right. We don't get many surprises and secrets in movies anymore. No, no, definitely not. So oh, people are like annoyed by the Hawkeye not being on the poster. I'm like, are you just trying to find something to complain about? Like, let's be serious. I mean, he, he's there. Right, he's there in the other movies. You know, nobody's going to the movie to see Hawkeye. 
right? So so stop with all Mrs. Renner. That <laughs> just stop stop with all the nonsense first. <laughs> Second, uh, there was actually a, a note from the I think it was the directors on it that they were like, you know, the it's a two we all we know it's a two part deal. And and they were like, we're you know the first. There's a lot of characters, and you know they're absolutely right. There's a lot of characters in the MCU. So well, there's going to be a lot of characters at the start. Yes. See how many there will be at the end. That's see, and that's what's exciting about this because like they're they're really like they're they're saying like it's not. This is this is everything changes after this, and I I like they keep saying it, and I I know I feel like we keep forgetting about it a little bit. Well, you know what it is? It's one of those things where it's like, okay, yeah, we've had, like, one or two people die in the past. And it's like, yeah, like, Yondu died. Like, spoiler right. alert if you haven't seen that movie that came out a year ago. Um, like, oh, like, one or two people like Hawkeye and the Iron Cripple are going to die. And, like, that's about it. No, I think real people are going to die in this. Hang on. <laughs> what? What did you call him? <laughs> it took you so long to react. No, no. Just let that one go. I just wasn't here. So you know what's up? He should have died in that movie, and that not because I dislike him, because that would have been that would have had more of an impact. Well, I prefer Terrence Howard in the role anyway. So stop with that nonsense. Get that crybaby out of my movies, Don Cheadle, all the way. I don't know. I like Terrence Howard. No. He's just—he's always crying. You know that scene, <laughs> Talladega Nights, when we're talking about Terrence Howard. I feel like uh, Michael Clark Duncan. He has to know. Oh. He's always crying. <laughs> it's just—he's too much. He's too much. But uh, I, I actually think they should have. It would have been less lighthearted at the end there. Like they should have—they should have killed him off and made him more serious. But uh, they—they're gonna. It sounds like they're gonna make up for that this go around. They're just gonna they're just gonna start offing people left and right. They're like, you know, some people are not gonna be featured as much in the second half of the movie. Uh in the second half of uh, Infinity War. And he goes, Some people are not going to be featured again. And I was like, Oh that's a statement. <laughs> well not just that, but people have been saying now, um, oh, we're not getting Doctor Strange too? Like we never heard any announcement and like the direct I, I don't know if it was the directors or it might have been Benedict Cumberbatch himself were like Yeah, so like People are going to die in this movie, and I'm not going to say who, but if you noticed, the only movies announced past this are Captain Marvel, who hasn't shown up in one yet, right. and Guardians, which there's a whole bunch of them, and they're not all going to die, but they haven't announced any of the other movies yet because right. they don't want you to know who makes it and who doesn't. Mm-hmm. Like, this is exciting. A week after that movie comes out, we'll probably see a bunch of movies announced, but like literally the only things that have been officially announced on the docket... In the next like three years are Captain Marvel, Guardians three, and Spider Man two. Like so, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I was excited for this movie, and now I'm like really pumped. I can't wait, and and it's so soon. It's yeah. so soon. One week sooner than it was supposed to be. And it's it's uh the second half is next year. I believe so. That's great. I love that. Although they're gonna have to get to work soon because I haven't heard of them. Although I guess they shot they shot some of it back to back. Maybe they were filming with all of the other people because nobody's gonna make it out of this one. Well, no. Now that I'm thinking about it, I remember that uh, they said that like the way they did like Lord of the Rings and stuff like that, they were gonna shoot a lot of it back to back. So, yeah, I mean that makes sense. I mean, how how else are you gonna turn something like this around in a year? I know that's what that's what forced yeah. me to remember that because otherwise I don't know how they would do it. They just shoot a four-hour movie and they split it in half. <laughs> Basically, yeah. yeah. Uh, so anyway, he's not J- Jeremy Renner, not you know prominent or not even there on the posters. Fine, but you know where he is. Where he's in this new movie coming out called Tag. Have you heard about this? I feel like that sounds familiar. I watched the trailer for it today, and I can't wait. It's a bunch of kids, former classmates that grew up. And they've been playing a game of tag for 30 years. <laughs> and that's, I don't need any more information about this movie. That is just dumb enough to work. We got Jeremy Renner, John Hamm, Leslie Bibb, Regina Jones, Isla Fisher, Jake Johnson, who love Nick Miller. Love yeah. Nick Miller. Ed Helms, uh, Brian Dennehy, Hannibal Burris, 
Sebastian Maniscalco. I mean, it's a it's a list of names. That's a, that's an eclectic cast. Yeah. Uh, I feel like there was somebody else that popped up. But anyway, that that you just go watch the trailer for it. Uh, let's see when it comes out. It comes out in October. Nope, that was when it was updated. It comes out June fifteenth. So we'll be doing an episode on that because I'm I'm already thrilled for this movie. It's gonna I feel like it's gonna be hilarious. What I really need, which I guess we must have talked after the last time we recorded, um, but I really need to find a theater that is showing that uh, the Death of Stalin movie. Oh yeah, we I sent you the trailer, that. and it apparently was opening with a very limited release. I don't know if they're going to expand that release or not. That trailer, the Red Band trailer, would everyone stop what you're doing? Pause this. Yeah. Go find the Red Red Band trailer Worth for it. the Death of Stalin because that looks fucking incredible. Yeah, I we we have to figure this one out because that we have to watch that together. It's a tremendous cast. It looks fucking ridiculous. Yeah, def- definitely, definitely get on that. Totally worth it. worth watch that watch that trailer. Watch the tag trailer. Circle back with us when we do our episodes <laughs> on these two. Uh, last note on tag the, the little art concept that they have on IMDb. It says based on a true story. We're not kidding. Tag. <laughs> I love that. So that's that's where uh, that's where Hawkeye is. He's just running around with his old friends playing tag. So shocking news about the Justice League movie: least successful DC EU film. Cool. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> that was it. Um, nod to documentaries. So uh, this past week, I watched uh, Jim and Andy with Kim. Did have you heard of this? Oh, is that the the documentary about the making of the Andy Kaufman movie with Jim Carrey? Yes, I, I've heard of it. I heard that it's really that Jim Carrey is really interesting in it. It's really disturbing. There's that too, because he went yes, full he method for that, right? Yeah, full Which, method as two different people. Oh, interesting. Because because uh, when Tony I think Clifton of Jim and Andy Kaufman, when I think of Jim Carrey, I don't think of method actor. I'm going to be honest. Mm-hmm. Not to say that he hasn't fully immersed himself in roles, because, like, me, myself, and Irene, like, that's a whole different story. Like, oh, my God, yeah. Like, uh, Ace Ventura, like, he is Ace Ventura, but, like, I just don't think of him as being a serious-ish method actor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if have you ever seen Man on the Moon? No. So he Odenkirk to the shit out of that. What does that mean? <laughs> Comedic actor playing a very a serious role. Oh, also uh, funny, nice. but he like really, really well done. Um, and this just watching this was intense. That. I never heard of that until I saw this documentary. So like, yeah, no, I never had a chance to sit down and watch that. You should check it out. Uh, I'd be curious to hear your input. Uh, the music in the, in Man on the Moon is great, and then the the movie itself is is really well done, and I I liked it. And then I was I had seen this like show up a while back and I was super interested and we finally sat down to watch it. I was just like I was I was uncomfortable for a lot of it. But Yeah, that's not surprising. Was, but it was worth watching. Well we were just talking about that sort of thing uh at my house recently, about the whole idea of you gotta be some sort of crazy to to decide to go full method, especially like because what we were specifically talking about was um with what's his name? From your favorite movie, Phantom Thread. Stop. Uh, Daniel Day Lewis. Yep. Uh, like, it's one thing to do it for one role, but to do it for every role, like, you gotta forget who you are. Like, it's gotta be hard to do that. Like, it's gotta be tough enough to be to be an actor and like go to work every day for six months or more and like pretend to be someone for twelve hours a day, but then to decide, no, I'm gonna research this role for six months, right? And then I'm gonna be that person. For the next six months or a year or however long it takes to be like you could be potentially be someone else for eighteen right. months. And he he does talk about that, and he talks about like how when it was over, it was like I forgot how to be Jim. That's what I'm saying. Like you have to drive yourself a little bit crazy pretending to be someone else for that long. Well, the the other part that's a little bit weirder about this one is it's the way that he describes it. It's not that he chose to do this with a method style. Just that's it kind of organically became that. Yeah. And it was that's when it started to get weird. But like something like switched off in his head, it really seems like when you're watching this, like he's 
he's out of it in a lot of ways, and he, it's like he. I'm concerned for him during it, but he's telling you he's fine the whole time, and the fact that he's telling us he's fine the whole time feels like a creepy cry for help. <laughs> it's, it's weird. Uh, you gotta you gotta check it out. Well, because like the running joke on that, right? Like I'm pretty sure they were making fun of Daniel Day Lewis with it was in Tropic Thunder when. They talk about Robert Downey Jr.'s character in the movie where I'm the he dude played, playing another dude. <laughs> no, not even just that. The the part where he talks about playing um, Neil Armstrong and how three months after the movie was done shooting, they found him in some alley inside of a refrigerator, thinking that he was re-entering from the like out of space. Like. <laughs> I gotta go back and watch that. That's... Whoa, hang on, pause. Speaking of rewatching movies. Epiphany. Uh, yes, yesterday or was it yesterday? Two days ago, I rewatched Winter Soldier finally. Yeah, I think it was yesterday. And I texted Al, and I was like, "Wow, happy to admit I was wrong." <laughs> Good because I've been on your case about that for a long time. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's because it's a really good movie. I really did, and I don't know what happened the first time I saw it. Which is why, like, I've been so like confused to the point of irritation with you because like I just right. did not get how. Like, even if you were just like, oh, yeah, I really liked it, but you didn't like it as much as me. Right. The fact that you were like, yeah, no, I don't like the movie. It's not very good. So I was here's, like, here's what, I, what movie were you watching? All I can think of, I've had some pretty bad experiences at movie theaters because um, movie theaters on Staten Island suck. Uh, and the, mostly it's the crowd. So I have a feeling that I might have seen it there, which would make sense for the time frame. And... They can, they can throw off the whole experience, and if you throw off the experience, the movie can tend to, to go with it. I have a feeling that that had something to do with it. There is something that I noticed while I was watching it, which, you know, it has been an opinion of mine for a while, That but it, it was pretty solid. I don't care for Captain America. Now, is it Chris Evans or is it Captain America? Uh, that's, a, that's a great question. Because I know for a long time you said you didn't like Chris Evans, but then you said you enjoyed him in Scott Pilgrim. Right. Which is why I think it's Captain America that I don't like. <laughs> because the immediate association I make is is that. But then I remember Fantastic Four, I enjoyed his character in that. That was silly. He was silly. Yeah. You know, that, so that, and that's it. it. It can be tough. Sometimes it can be tough to be like, oh, like I really enjoy, you know, the strict goody two-shoes in what's supposed to be kind of fun and everything. But I mean, like, you know, someone's got to be the moral compass, right? And like, that's... What he does, yeah. I like that. I like when they're poking fun at him in the Avengers movies for being yes. a goody two shoes. That's that's fun. Well, even when he laughs at himself sometimes, like yeah, watch your mouth. <laughs> that's probably yeah, that's one of the best lines. <laughs> well, well, the one of them where he says something and they're like, "Oh my god, did he just curse?" Or yeah. like, yes. <laughs> gosh darn it, Cap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, but um. But, uh, I, yeah, so I was watching and I was going through and I was like, this is this is good. Al's, Al's right. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting further and further into the movie and I'm like, I'm kind of engrossed in it. And I, you know who who really uh, sold me on it? I really like Robert Redford in this movie. Yeah, he was good. You know, didn't get a ton of screen time, but he, he was a... Uh, no, but commands the screen when he's on it. Like, there's, like, yeah. he's, he's a good villain. Like, he's... Yeah. And he, it's all like, I know this is not Winter Soldier, the episode that we're doing. So, I mean, by now you've got, you've had to have seen it, especially if you've been out for three, four years or something like that. So, so. I'm just going to go with it. When he kills his, his maid. Yeah. That scene is just. Well, especially <laughs> because up until that point, you didn't actually know he was a bad guy. Yeah. Until like the scene right before he kills her and then like cold blooded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're like, oh, I don't, you know, you, you, you're you're wondering about this guy, and then there's that scene, and you're like, oh, oh, I guess he's a, uh, he's not so good a guy. Oh no, he's a bad guy. Yeah, <laughs> this, this guy is no good. <laughs> he just kills people on a whim. <laughs> yep. So, but wow, there's, I, re- I really enjoyed it. I have to go back now and watch the first Captain America because I haven't seen that one in a while either. Um, I'm trying that to. Was, that one's slightly campier. Yeah, that, I, I I remember that being the case. But also, it felt like it was on purpose, so... Yeah. I remember well, not being offended by that. So yeah. it was probably fine. Well, it also wasn't like Joel Schumacher Batman either, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Riddle me this. <laughs> um, 
I still contend that Batman Forever is a good movie. I love Batman Forever. I love. Um, now, wait, I do have one more question, though, before we... If we, um, we can go on that tangent. But... No, that's do a good job of tying a bow on the whole Jim Carrey thing. Mm. But, uh... Having gone back and rewatched Winter Soldier now, yeah. are you also with me on the fact that Captain America and Black Widow is way more convincing than Black Widow and Hulk. No. I don't know. I felt like they had way more chemistry than. Well, well, that's a that's a funny thing. Like the the two actors have good chemistry playing the parts, and I feel like it. They don't actually connect, and I think it's on purpose. Well, it felt like it was on purpose. Like she was keeping him at arm's length. Maybe. But I feel I, I feel like they're not supposed to be together, and they they do a good job of trying to explore that area a little bit in this movie, and then just not going there because it doesn't work. And that may well be the case, but I guess you like remember the joke they kept having in Guardians with the whole the unspoken thing. Oh my god! Yes, I felt, <laughs> I felt like the two of them had the unspoken thing, uh-huh. and then all of a sudden it becomes her and Bruce Banner. I'm like, yeah, no, there's zero spark there go back to that other thing even if it keeps being the unspoken thing because i was at least intrigued with will they won't they and i just want the two of you to stop speaking on screen because it's super flat <laughs> <laughs> uh i don't know i i'll have to not i'll have to go expect- back and watch the scenes where mark ruffalo and her are together not that you expect like sparks to be flying and like super deep romance out of any of these movies, like because you're not. Right. But if you're gonna push that angle even remotely, you gotta give me something to work with. You there's there's one thing that I really loved that they kept doing in the movie that I I guess I don't know. It's just been a while since I had seen it, so I didn't remember these. But she's trying to set him up the whole movie. Yes. And the in between scenes of them continuing that conversation are phenomenal. Like, yes. he throws a guy off the roof, they chat for a little bit, and then, and then he drops him back on the roof. Like, just the way that that is executed is perfect. I mean, that's like, that is the that is the genre of the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like, just yes. that type of thing. Yes. Because that, that feels genuinely like when you're playing, like, an RPG video game, or when you're playing, or when you're reading a comic book type of thing. Like, mm-hmm. that was really, really well executed. Even though that movie is the least comic book movie of any of them, possibly. Right. It, that's a, that is a 1970s conspiracy theory movie, like thriller. Yeah. That has superheroes in it. And that's what, the whole thing we talked about with the whole superhero fatigue. Like, when you keep getting away with making these movies is by not making superhero movies, you're making other genre movies with superheroes in them. Yeah. And it's the same thing that, it's the same formula that Star Wars is doing to a certain extent now. That's the only way that they're going to keep surviving is to have genre movies that are Star Wars. Right. Oh man, I'm actually like I'm prepared to just go watch this again. Like I, I, I got really excited when I watched it. I was, I was happy. I really enjoyed it. I'm glad I'm back on. Yeah, I, 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 I think that is the best Marvel movie. Yeah, I don't have an opinion on that just yet. I'm gonna have to figure that one out. I do remember, I, Iron Man holds a special place in my heart, being the first one. That like because I remember seeing that and and knowing how different this was than other things that came before it, and then it opened the door for the rest of this. That's fair. I mean, when you talk about an Iron Man or you talk about Avengers, they were really big firsts mm-hmm. in the whole universe. Um, but I, this is why I think that that uh, Winter Soldier is the best is because it was the first really quality movie. Period. Like, it stands alone as being a quality movie. Like, it's the type of movie that could have been nominated for stuff. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It, it, and and it, breaks the, uh, it breaks the sequel rule, which is always good. Yes, it's better than the one that preceded it. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, Civil War, I don't, I just don't register it as a Captain America movie. No, it's not. It's a. It's Avengers it's three. Avengers two point five. Two point five. That's that's fair. That is, that is exactly what it is. <laughs> that's, that one's fun too. It's not the best, but it's no. fun. It's fun. I actually have to. I'll have to rewatch it at some point. I, I've only seen it one time. Oh, okay. It's got it's got some 
some good stuff going on. It. I I enjoy. It. I I really I really love what they're doing here. I really and I'm so so excited for Avengers. It's gonna be great. I'm convinced. I'm also excited for like I I feel like they're gonna go like they're gonna go nuts with this whole like rebooting of this universe and whatever they're gonna do and how they're gonna do it. Like I feel like it's gonna be good, and I can't wait to see how it goes down. Oh, it's gonna be bittersweet. Another note uh, from from um, Winter Soldier when he's that that guy that he threw off the roof and then he comes and he gets dropped back on. He's like he's shouting out people that they're keeping an eye on. That's a really great scene, including Doctor Strange and other folks that come up later. Like they're yeah. nods to people that are going to be coming up. Yeah, that's 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 fun. I like that. Anyway, that's our, that's, that's Winter Soldier cast. Uh, so wrapping the bring this back, then we you know we got into we got into that man forever for a minute because we were talking about Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey was great. Jim and Andy, that was our documentary portion of the show. But there was one other thing that I want to note. I also watched the trailer for "Won't You Be My Neighbor," which is a documentary on Mister Rogers. It's coming to theaters uh, later this year. What a heartwarming trailer that is! If you're feeling down, just go watch that because that like and by itself, just be better. <laughs> that's 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 what it does for you. It's just I, I'm actually really excited to see that. I think well, when this episode comes out, it will have been well in the past. But I think today, you and me, as we're sitting here recording it, I think it's his 90th birthday. Oh, is it? Yeah, I think so. Happy birthday, Mister Rogers! Happy birthday! That's it. That's all the that's all the news stuff that I had to go through. Do you have any nuggets for us? Um, no, not really. Not even a four piece. No. No, no Al's Nuggets. Sorry, folks. I can try and... Um... Movie Pass check-in. It still works. <laughs> That's plus. That's it. That's all you gotta know. Well then, let's move on to our Flick of the Week, wrapping up some of our uh, post-Oscars coverage. Darkest Hour. Al got a chance to see this this past week. I saw it during the uh, the Oscar marathon that I went on. Um... <laughs> our our post-Oscars wrap-up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, great movie. I mean, it's... It's really well done. The acting is phenomenal, as you know, proven by the Oscar that he receives for this for this movie. Uh, I would say good movie. What's that? I would say good movie. Good, just good. Yeah, um, there were some significant-ish pacing issues at times. Hmm. Go on. Oh, also, I've I mentioned like this is there's no there's no lifting the veil of spoilers. Because this is a thing that happened. Yeah. So we're just going to talk freely about this movie. The thing that happened Moving like 75 on. years ago. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that was detail. just, like, it could have been a kind of a cleaner, tighter experience. Um, it's, I mean, I guess it's to a certain extent meant to be a introspective movie, right? Just a heavy thought experiment essentially right like you know these are the things that were going on it's not an action movie it's a lot of talking and politics and this and that but it almost feels like an action movie when you feel the the tension and the adrenaline required for you know these powerful men to have these arguments over the future of the free world right yeah and you get excited for that especially because some of the writing is really good. Plus, you know, these were real life things that, that people were saying and doing. Right. But they pull back from that for some quieter moments, mostly quieter moments examining who Winston Churchill is mm-hmm. at that point in his life. And and that stuff is necessary for this any of this to matter. And it is mostly supposed to be kind of a character study of him. Right. That snapshot in time is about a month of his life, basically. Um the most important month of his life, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I just thought some of those quiet scenes, instead of pulling back, like, yanked you out of the flow completely. Really? Interesting. And just like... Well, it's, it, it, if only because of the duration of some of the scenes. Those were my favorite scenes, I think. Well, some of them were pretty good. But for one thing, I will say, the story where he's on the train, I do not count among those scenes because... There's things happening there. Like there, it's snappy. You know, there's stuff going on. It's lighthearted. It's fun. Even though we feel weight as well. Like 
that scene does not count in these scenes I'm talking about. There's other scenes that are just, you know, it's just like, I, I didn't have an objection to any of the scenes on their own. It was taken together as a whole. And when you consider the entire duration of times devoted to them. Hmm. I don't know. I, I liked, I liked the slow down and the deeper look into him and his habits and the way that he interacted with people or interacted. I just thought they could have, you know, it's the, what's it called? Um, the scene from, uh, from knocked up when, uh, what's his name? The guy, um, Alan Tudyk's Titan. <laughs> well, uh, just Titan. Titan. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. We're not telling you to lose weight. Just Titan. Titan. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. They didn't have to lose those scenes. Just tighten them up. Tighten them up. Maybe. I, 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 actually, I actually disagree because I, I enjoyed those and I could have done with more of them. Well, because it was a long movie as it is. So if you're going to do that ebb and flow thing, the you can't last too long on an ebb. Sure. Well, you know what? I mean – a lot of this credit, though, the reason those scenes work, especially for me, I love Gary Oldman, and, like, he he does a tremendous job in this role. Like, he wins an Oscar for Fatty Oldman. Like, it's... It, 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 this is why. Like, he completely transformed himself. I know it's a lot of makeup, and I know that, but he... Pulling on the mannerisms that, he, like, he developed for the character and stuff, like, it was... Like, this was a character that was, like, I know Gary Oldman's behind there, but like this is, this is different. Like, and he's he's doing a great job. Like he became this role. Well, it's incredible too because how much he transformed his voice to do this, right? Mm-hmm. But you can still hear Gary oh, yeah. behind it. Uh huh. A hundred percent. Um, and actually, kind of circling back to the conversation we were having earlier about like method actors. Um, along that same conversation I was having with like my dad, and my brother about it. Um, I was saying even people who do a lot of voices over the course of their career. And at a certain point, you have to lose your true voice, right? Because mm. I was, I was reading that part of it came from me reading an article about um, this recently, an interview that Sean Bean gave, and he was talking about the process of him getting cast in Game of Thrones and how they had him read in a couple different voices, and they're like, "We like your voice the best," and that was how they did a lot of the casting and character work for. The people who are the other Starks and the other important Northmen, they put an emphasis on finding people who have that Northern English accent like his. Interesting. I wonder if he also goes around every day thinking that today might be his last day. <laughs> that that ultra mortality. On oh, account of him there. being written off in literally everything he's in. <laughs> I mean, that one, though, he had to know going in. Like, they had to pull them when they cast him. Listen, you are going to die in this. Right. Like, right. Like, and it's going to be early. Like, this franchise is going to be huge. You're out. Like, you're the main <laughs> character of the first season, but you will not be a character at all <laughs> after that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, so I was just like, like, at a certain point, like, Gary Oldman has done a million different voices on screen. Mm. Sean Bean has done a million different voices. At a certain point, you kind of have to lose your own true voice right yeah yeah although there is i am curious about that because like you his voice he does gary oldman has a distinct voice like you can recognize and like you said you you hear it behind yes. his voice that he's putting on so i don't know that he's necessarily lost his voice i'm not saying 100 percent lost but it's just not exactly what it was yeah that's true and now all i can think of him is him in fifth element as Jean Baptiste Emmanuel Zor. There's, there's no, there's no stones. <laughs> <laughs> like he's, I love that character, man. Oh, I love that movie, and I especially love him in that movie. We yes. should. When is that? That's got to come up on an anniversary of some kind soon. We should definitely do a, an episode. Uh, last year was the 20th anniversary. Really? All right. So in four years, we're gonna do <laughs> the element solid 25th. Okay. Okay. Sound good. I love that movie. It'll probably happen sooner because, yeah, that movie is great. I've the, seen it about a hundred times, so I could just do an episode on that. I wouldn't have to rewatch it, too. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God, is that movie fun. But, yeah, so when he's – here's another thing. When he's shouting – and this is this is why, like, I don't – I feel like he didn't lose his voice so much. In the scenes where he shouts or yells at – one, 
Stop interrupting me while I'm interrupting you. One of the greatest lines of all time. I almost just interrupted the beginning of your sentence to say <laughs> do that, that I, you should stop interrupting me when I'm interrupting you. <laughs> <laughs> but that, like, that's, that is so good. And what when, when he yells that, all, what, and any of the scenes where he yells and raises his voice, all I think of is him in the professional when he just yells, all of them. <laughs> that's what I hear. <laughs> and I expect him to take a little pill out of his little thing and chew it <laughs> very creepily on screen. Anyway, that's a different, that's a whole different thing. But that movie's great too. Gary Oldman rocks. <laughs> Tremendous actor. Big fan. But uh, yeah, he he crushes it. And what works for me, like 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 I said, I liked I liked the slower scenes like that you were talking about. I liked the when like he's like the the focal point and like we're just getting into him and his mannerisms and the way that he is with other people. Like the relationships in the movie are very human. Like him and his wife, him and his secretary, his adversaries, the king, the people on the train. Even though it's a little over the top and like kind of silly in the way that like like that's the I could see say if you see that scene as like it goes against the grain of the rest of the movie because it, it's, it is almost comical, but it's, it's just on the line like where it's also, it's heartwarming and it's try, because it's like supposed to be a rise in people's spirits, which is a really good, good thing to start doing right there. Uh, all of that works. And like, he's, I feel like these people in the scenes, like because of how well that he portrayed this character, they all had a relationship with Churchill, Gary Oldman's Churchill, not Gary Oldman. Like it, it's, it yeah. was really well done. Let's just be clear, though. The interactions were not very human. They were very British. This movie is so fucking British. Are you trying to say that British people are not human? I'm just saying that they are a particular brand of human. Okay. Not, not better or worse than anyone, just particular. <laughs> but I, I love, I love, I like when it, when it opens up and we get the first interaction with him and uh, and the secretary who. Who ends up like like she's like gonna leave because she's upset because of the way that he treated her and the wife was like, dude, because he brought her to tears ninety yeah. seconds into her employment. Yeah, <laughs> his wife in you know in way more elegant words was like, dude, you gotta knock this shit off. <laughs> and also like he's not even the prime minister yet. Right, right. <laughs> that's a that's a great scene though. I love that, and I, I love that she sticks with him through through the movie. And side note, Lily James. That's the the actress that plays that character, who was also in Baby Driver this yes. past year. She was great. Yeah, I, I and I, we I, we were watching the movie. Kim and I were like trying to figure out like who is she? Like she's so familiar. And then it took us until afterwards and looking about to realize, oh right. <laughs> well, the acting's a big thing. She was doing like kind of a southern drawl in, in Baby Driver, and right. This she's doing her 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 natural British um, accent. Right, but and his his relationship with her on screen is really great too. Well, and, yeah, it is. And it's, they have a, well, they build a great rapport after that scene, right? Yep. Or after the scene where she, the back end of the scene where she comes back in with the official letter requesting his presence. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but what the, the peak moment of that is when she explains to him that the V for victory. Yes. Not mean what he think it means. What he's like? What does it mean? Um, and she like doesn't want to say it, and she's like, uh, "Up your bum," <laughs> <laughs> and he cracks up. I, know, I I honestly thought he was gonna be like shocked, right? And see him like so joyously embrace that moment was incredible. Like, right. and it, it's much needed because the the movie it's a real point in history that is super dark and disturbing in a lot of ways. And would you say this was their darkest hour? Yeah. I would, <laughs> but like on, t- but they they pepper these these humorous human moments in there like that that give you a little chuckle and keep you going through because otherwise otherwise you'd be watching this thing like God this is awful <laughs> like this is just so which I mean it was but like this is just so bad like dark and horrible like I don't want to go through this and that I feel like that helps and it it makes you stay with the movie and it's just like I feel like it's perfectly executed in that way. Yes. Yeah, it was, um, it's kind of like we've been noting, I think, a couple times in some of the movies we've done the last several episodes. Movies that are dark and force you to laugh often, even at inappropriate times. And then you have movies that build up a certain amount of darkness and then have a tension release valve, Mm -hmm. basically. And this was one of those movies where it's dark, it's dark, it's dark, pause, 
have a laugh, and then we'll build the tension back up again. We have the V for Victory, where the two of them are cracking up as he's saying, up your bum. Yeah. <laughs> you get a scene where he gets on the train and he's laughing it up amongst these people, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you have a, you know, the one time where the kind of had the, the serious right in the middle of it was, you know, the scene where he's, he yells, stop interrupting me when I'm interrupting you, you know? Such a good scene. I love that. Uh, you know, I want to talk for a second about the about the tension in the movie. It's funny. Th- these movies can be done really poorly or really, really, really well done. And something like this, to be able to capture that tension and make you feel it, even though you know you know the outcome. Like, I know what's going on. I'm familiar with what's happening here. But to still be on the edge of my seat like and being like, huh. <gasps> Like almost asking what's gonna happen, even though I know, I was like, "That's how do you, I don't know how you do that, but well done." And they did that in the post too, like, yeah. Uh, and I, you know, to, to to talk about British perspective on World War Two, um, I had that exact experience throughout a lot of uh, the Imitation Game, which I really oh, enjoyed that movie. Yeah, I couldn't remember if you had seen that one or not because I know oh, we discussed yeah. it. I thoroughly enjoyed that movie. Um, that that's honestly, I really enjoyed the shit out of that movie too. And it's like, we know that the Americans and the British beat the Germans, and we keep hearing these stories that we had not previously been aware of because they were happening elsewhere, where they were sealed behind these secretive records, right? And it's like, why am I so caught up in this? I already know that this all ends with them winning. Right, and and it's funny because you could do a million more movies, right, where you follow a platoon, and you might not know what where they're going with this. So, like, okay, yeah, like we're gonna lose some of these guys. We don't know who, we don't know when, we don't know where. But with this thing, you you know the bigger outcome, and you know how it goes down. So to pull that off, like that's that's masterfully crafted as a yeah. like with the writing and the way that it's shot, and and a lot of credit to the actors and delivering the emotion that these people you imagine they would be feeling at the time, and it's just. It blows me away. Yeah. So, so good. Another fun thing. Uh, seeing this exact story from a different perspective is really cool. Seeing, yeah, getting that, this movie and Dunkirk in the same year is a really cool thing. I like that too. I had that as well because this, you know, Dunkirk spent a lot of time with explaining where we are, how we're going to get out of this and, you know, where we go from there. And this gave us the backstory to that. I actually kind of wish this had come out before Dunkirk. Yeah. We would have kind of got the story chronologically. Right. Or if you watch the cinema sin for that, or the, uh, what is it? The honest trailer for that, where they talking about how Dunkirk is just out of order for no reason. Yeah. But yeah, no, you're, you're right. And if you, you could, what you could do now is you could take these, both of these movies. You can watch all of darkest hour, stop 10 minutes before it ends, watch all of Dunkirk and then add 10 minutes at the end. And that would be, Awesome. <laughs> kind of like what they do when they like reorganize the Godfather and Godfather Part Two mm. into the chronological movie. Right. Right. It's yeah, and I, that's I, cool I, because they both are in the same. They do they they pull off the theme and the time frame really well. So like they they definitely feel like they they belong together. Yeah, they do. I um, it's funny because I you know I really. As momentous and incredible and nerve-wracking as Dunkirk was as its own experience, watching this, and it's like, you, you I've already seen Dunkirk, and not only do I know historically how it went, but now I know specifically how it went, and I'm still fascinated by how they got there, watching right. them like, lead up to the time where, you know, oh, well, we're never going to get people in, and I'm like, how do they get them out? Oh, wait, no, I know how they already got that. I just watched right. it like, like eight months ago. But how do they get them out? Right. <laughs> it's not going to work this time. That's yeah, impossible. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's like watching a movie the second time that's so well done that you don't expect the outcome to work this time. Like like somehow the DVD changed while it was in your box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So <laughs> I just want to go back for a second because I, I mentioned Lily James. We were like, Kim and I were like, who is that? And we we did we didn't figure it out while we were watching the movie, but she looked it up afterwards. The other person, Kim was like, Who is that? I'm like Status? Yeah, I was like, I don't know. And then like I think like right after the scene of the interrupting, 
She turns to me and she goes, it's Dennis. And I was like, oh my god. <laughs> it was a little different to see him not in like kingly garb or, you know, in medieval times, essentially. Right. Um, but he, I mean, he still basically look. you know, it's not like he wears a crazy wig in Game of Thrones. He still basically looks and sounds about the same. Yep. Um, but yeah, no, I was watching the first couple minutes and I was like, I'm pretty sure that's Stefan Dillon, isn't it? That's <laughs> <laughs> really funny. You know and he's else? basically playing Stannis, too. Just like a slightly more refined version of him. Yeah. Because he's still like a cranky, stubborn old dude, like, you know, who's used to having his way, right? Like, mm-hmm. 100%. That's great. There's uh, the other character that that like you know jumps off the screen for me is Ben Mel- Ben Nelson is not a douchey villain in this movie. <laughs> I have Ben Mendelsohn, not a villain. <laughs> great, like 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 he's I I love what they did with like the portrayal of that character. Like that's that was really well done too, and the his relationship with Churchill and the way that it changes from the opening of the movie to the end. Like that yeah. is that's a that's a great one eighty. Even though they don't get a ton of screen time, actually, even though like it's crazy to say that like, you know the King of England didn't have a ton of importance in this story, but he, he really didn't, right? Right. Um, but I wish he had because I I just like Ben Mendelsohn as an actor, and I wanted more of him on screen, mm-hmm. especially since the two of them did have an interesting back and forth. Well, after the first scene, the first scene was, was the first scene between them was a little clunky, though by design, but still, yeah. And just the nail in the coffin was him backing out of the room. But Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that... But I did like that how he says, you know, well, you know, what's basically what's wrong with me, you know? Oh, you scare me. And then you know, later on he says it again, but now it's like a term of endearment, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. That's just... great, great relationships in the movie. There's a one other note that I had here. Um, let me just pull it up real quick. Oh, so I we talked a little bit about Churchill with um, I, I want to call her Deborah, but that was her name in Baby Driver. Lily James' character, the, his secretary and typist. So Elizabeth. Elizabeth. So the scenes with her. So like their relationship develops over time, and and she, in a lot of in certain scenes, like she'll just like she'll ground him by doing something or saying something or just being there and he'll change his tune because he like, he's like, she's like a compass for him in these scenes. And one of them, like the great one is the, when she's got the picture of her brother on the desk. I really liked that. And like the little, the little chit chat they have back and forth about that. The one that really gets me is when he has her type the letter that help isn't coming. Uh, That one hurt. Yeah, that was tough. That was a really hard scene. And then even worse, when the guy opens and reads the letter and is just kind of, you know, patting his men on the back, like, yeah, everything's great. Like, that's just a, that is the darkest part of the darkest hour. Yeah, that was a stab right in the, right in the gut. And like, they, they, they go all the way with that one. They follow that bomb straight down on top of them. And it's brutal. And that was one of the really big things for me about like, Wow, for as much as they had at stake at Dunkirk, this the stakes are even higher when you realize that the sacrifice was it like four or five thousand men yeah. to save three hundred thousand. Oh and and, and it sounds so easy, right? You know, well, yeah, you know, it really sucks. We sent four hundred thousand men to their death. We knew they were. We sent four thousand men to their death. We knew it, but like, it seems like an easy trade, right? It, they didn't, they, when they didn't. When you're them. looking at numbers, sure. They didn't trade four thousand for five thousand. They traded four thousand for three hundred thousand. Right. And I can understand the initial visceral pushback. Like, well, yeah. no, let's not sacrifice anyone. But we no, we're well and truly have our backs to the wall. It's time to do because we've well, run out of time. The to crazier think. part, though, is that the plan should never have worked. No, it shouldn't. Just... No, and, and that's one of the things that history is. is never been able to adequately explain is why it was even an option. It shouldn't have been. And that's what they're saying is we, we don't seem to have any reason to think this is going to work. And it did. History has never given a good answer for why it did. Right. Just... But to the point of what, what I was getting at with that about the, the cruel calculus of war is the math is pretty stark and yeah. pretty straightforward, right? Like, like I said, that visceral initial reaction of, 
no, no, I can't do that. But once you take about 10, 20, 30 seconds, it's as obvious as one plus one equaling two, right? That that's the choice you have to make. And to see that there was this violent opposition to him in his own war cabinet was right. shocking. Well, but the, I mean, the thing that's, I don't find it that shocking because he kind of plays, he plays that plan a little close to the chest for a good portion of it. I don't know how, how that happened if that was more theater than how it actually went down until he reveals what's going on. But even if he was to reveal that it's again, that plan should not have worked. So like it's, you're not just, you're not, there's, there's more variables in the equation than just the 3000. And I, I, while I don't agree with, I mean, yeah, like in my mind, sure. Like if we could save 400,000, great, like let's do that plan. But there are more variables in the equation. No, but he does literally come out and say that once they get to the crux of the moment. Yeah. He says, we're sending, he says, we're sending 4,000 men to our death. And he says, to save 300,000. He literally says it. Like, that is the yeah. math we're doing here. Mm-hmm. But, again, the plan shouldn't have worked. So I, I could see the pushback based on that. I guess so. But it also reaches the point where it's like, well, what is that line from that Rush song, right? Where, you know, you know, if you choose not to decide, you've still made a choice. Right. And they've reached that point, right? Right. We've decided not to do, not to do, not to do. And that's its own choice at this point. So let's choose well, something That's else. why you also have, you like, in the end, you do need to have somebody that's going to be making that decision, right? You Sure, you need him to consider all the options and you need him to take the, you know, the feedback from others and their, you know, their response to the plan. But in the end, it's got to come down to someone flipping the switch, and he does. And he he very much feels the weight of it on him as it's going down. Like, yeah. if, if, if he dropped dead right before all of this went down, I would have been like, yeah, makes sense. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Just, oh, the amount of stress of how old he was and, and exactly how wildly unhealthy he was. <laughs> also, that was another thing that was another good one of those, like, physical pauses for a little bit of humor where... He keeps just, you know, well, I'm an old man and I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm just like walk right out of my shower. Storm right out of my shower yeah. while you're sitting there taking dictation from me. You better get out of the way yeah. well, now you get a chance. Yeah. Heads up, coming out of the door. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What a... I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this one. You should definitely, definitely check it out. What else, we, what else you got? Uh, I mean, nothing else really that big. I mean, I the one thing I will say about this... Um, not knowing with great amount of detail what all the facts are on this. This is one of those kind of historical, quote-unquote, nonfiction stories, right? Where it's like, this all more or less happened. But I sometimes wonder with these things, the types of liberties they take with it. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Because I imagine, yeah, well, the facts are facts, you know. They voted, you know... Um, Neville Chamberlain out of office. They they emergency elected him to office. They he made the decision. They we had a Dunkirk. All these sorts of stuff. There was opposition within his own party. There was opposition at all sides and stuff like those. Those are facts, you know, easy to verify. But stuff like him sitting on the train and having that conversation with all of them, I stuff like that, which seemed to be really important to the characterization of. Um, Winston Churchill. I'm sure that he did in those times, or one time decide I'm going to go right on the train, just like because I just need to get away and I need to right. find out about the will of the people. But I imagine that conversation probably didn't go beat for beat like that. That was almost so perfectly written that I thought Aaron Sorkin cameoed as writing the script that day. Right, you know what right. I mean? Like, was it that perfect? Was it that fun and funny? Was were we all yeah. having a laugh? You know, sure. stuff like that. I always find curious. It's tough to tell what was "quote unquote" real and what wasn't. Not to, I'm not, and I'm not picking holes in it. It's just like sometimes things are like some things are so sensational that it's like you have to believe it, and other times it's like I can't believe it. You right. know what I no, mean? No, I, com- I completely agree, and I I kind of go into a movie like this, you know, you know, with that expectation. I'm sure you do as well. Like, there's mm-hmm. going to be scenes where it's like this is great. Probably not how it went down, but for the sake of this movie, fantastic and. That's the difference between watching this story in a museum and a production company getting asses in the seat. 
Yeah. And I'm okay with that, you know, unless they unless they take like absurd liberties and try to portray it as this is how it went down. Like that's not the right way to do it. But like you, you could like something like that, like the train scene. Like obviously we don't have like a a line for line how that went down. Some they they definitely took some liberties with that scene, but it was you, you kind of know that going. I feel like when you're watching that, and I'm I'm okay with it because they're not. Well, yeah, I am too. I don't have. I don't want to say that I have a problem yeah. with it. I just it's just it like I, when when a scene like that is over, sometimes I'm just like, man, like could that have been how it really you know went right. down, or are we just having a bit of fun riffing on an idea of what happened? You know, did he just go on the train and he chatted with the guy? You know what I mean? And it turned into yeah. this whole but, and big I, inspirational thing. I love that though. I I like that. And some some of the times that I like that even more because it's like you're it's almost like printing the legend, right? Like you're like this is like the this this concept of what happened about him going on this train probably and talking with folks and like really just like almost immortalizing that scene by doing this. And yeah. just in a really cool way. Like there's a, there's no reason to to debunk it like it, it works with the story it makes it fun let's let's push it a little bit further and and make people remember this yeah no, I'm, I, I'm for okay me, with that. it becomes part of like a larger thought conversation when sometimes when you see a movie and or a tv show or whatever comes on you know this is a true story and sometimes it says based on a true story yeah. you know, stuff like that um and i think that the some some movies over the years played with the lines being drawn there. Um, it's just something I think about. It's not something yeah. that's, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just something that enters my mind after I'm done watching a scene like that. I kind of, you know, like Definitely. one of those, sometimes, like I said, it's just like, it's too ridiculous to think that someone imagined it. You know what I right. mean? Like, And sometimes it's like, no, that's too ridiculous to be real. And I always try to like, afterwards, I try and like, see if I can puzzle it out. Like, which one is it? Yeah. That's fun. Cool. Any other notes? Any closing thoughts? Oh, no, not really. Sweet. Well, then that's it for episode 39 of Flicks in a Six. We hope you enjoyed it. If you want to keep the conversation going, I'm at AEJ Costanzo on Twitter and Instagram. Al is at Alessandro B1187. Be sure to check out Flipboard Magazine Flicks, that's F L I 6, to follow along with all the stories that we talk about each week. And uh, check back in next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, cheers.